I wonder what it would be like to be born in a manger. Yeah. Wonder whatever happened to baby Jesus. He, he grew up. What? Wait. So you're saying that the baby Jesus Christmas story is the same as the adult walk on water Jesus? Yeah. Thanks, honey. Wow, I just never really put the two concepts together. <laughs> Wonder what happened to that guy, huh? <laughs> he... he went to the cross. That's the same guy? Yeah. So what you're saying is baby Jesus is the same as cross Jesus? Yeah. I mean, there's some time in there, right? I mean, he... he grew up, he taught people, he lived a perfect life. He died on the cross and came back to life, and, you know, now he lives in our hearts. That's the same guy? The Jesus that lives in our hearts? <sighs> okay, I was really, oh, wow. Okay, I never really put all those guys together, you know? Only one guy. I tell you this. Here's an idea. Maybe we stop just making Christmas all just this once a year isolated thing, but we make it an ongoing story about the salvation in our hearts and lives. Up top. It's the idea. Good morning, Chapel Roswell. This is our last Sunday together before Christmas. Now, earlier we prayed for Abigail and Haley, two young folks who are headed to Kenya for a mission trip. And it really is good this time of year to see quite a few of our college students back home for Christmas. We welcome you this morning, and we're so grateful that you chose to spend part of your Sunday with us. Now, here's a cool thing. If you are a college student, after our service wraps up this morning, we invite you to head out those double doors to our connection desk, our connection center. We're going to give you some free tokens for the newly opened RUMC coffee shop, which is just a block or so down the street. It's now open on Sundays, so even if you're not a college student, head down there. It's open till 3 o'clock on Sundays now, a great opportunity to check that out. So friends, this morning as we dig into God's word, as we celebrate the good news of great joy, will you pray with me? Well, good morning, Heavenly Father. We thank you for leading each of us here this morning. And Lord God, in the hustle and bustle of this holiday season, may we focus on your Son. As we gather together today, may our time here bless one another, and may our time together honor and praise you. We thank you for the gift of Jesus and the life-changing message of his hope, his love, and his peace. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, I love the song that we started out with this morning, Oh Holy Night. It's uh, one of the most popular Christmas hymns, and, and there's an interesting backstory behind it. Allow me to, to, to throw this at you this morning. It's a song that, that focuses on the night on which Jesus was born, how the world would be changed, how light penetrated and invaded the darkness. 
Let me take you back to the year 1847 in France. There was a priest who wanted a new song, a new song to be sung on Christmas Day, so he reached out to an unlikely fellow. In this small village of France, everybody seemed to know everybody, and this fellow's name was Placide. I can't pronounce his last name in French, so let's just call him Placide. That may not even be the right pronunciation, but for all, all you know, we, we know who he is. He was a wine seller and he was a part-time poet. He's not one who would really darken the doors of uh, the church, but, but this priest reached out to him because he had kind of this creative vibe to him. The priest commissioned Placide to write a poem for church for Christmas. So the artist decided to write a poem that, that, that looks at it from the view of that night on which Jesus was born, that O Holy Night. Now, he used the text from the second chapter of Luke, which describes the, the birth narrative of Jesus. And Placide, he was inspired, he was blessed by the reading of this scripture. And so he decided this poem is not only good enough just as a poem, he wanted music written to this song. He turned to a good friend of his, his name was Adolphe Charles Adams. He wanted this guy to put it to music. Now, uh, this Adolphe Charles Adams, uh, he wasn't really the guy you would think of to, to craft a, a Christian hymn, uh, because after all, he actually was Jewish. But the priest loved the song that they came together with, and it was sung on Christmas Day at this small French church. The congregation loved it, as did others throughout that community. Uh, but a few years later, kind of a scandal of sorts, this winemaker, this wine seller, this poet who crafted the lyrics to O Holy Night, he actually walked away from his faith. He left the church and he actually became involved in the socialist movement. And because of that, the song really kind of fell out of popularity. The hymn was really headed into downright obscurity. But an American minister was traveling through France. He heard the song and he wanted to bring it back to the United States. And he was especially drawn to the lyrics in the third verse, which says... Truly he taught us to love one another. His love is law and his gospel is peace. Chains he shall break, for the slave is our brother. And in his name all oppression shall cease. Uh, you see this American pastor traveling through France. He was an abolitionist. He was trying to, to find more ways to, to spread the message of, of the ending of slavery. Uh, but there's weight, there's more. That's kind of an interesting story to the, uh, the backdrop of this hymn. Uh, 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 really a non-church goer teaming up with a Jewish guy to write a beautiful song, and he eventually went to the socialist movement, left the church, left his faith. But with that said, let me take you a little bit farther back. Christmas Eve, the year 1906. Uh, Reginald Fessenden, he was a 33-year-old former chemist with Thomas Edison, and he did something that people thought was impossible. He sent a message to the ships in the Navy in the North Atlantic Ocean, and he told these Navy ships that he had something really special for them. Uh, now, the Navy ship, the, the Navy soldiers or sailors, they just assumed that he was going to send some sort of Morse code. After all, that's how they communicated. And so as they waited for the dots and the dashes of the Morse code, they heard something literally unbelievable. Over this uh, sound system, basically, they heard the sound of a human voice. 
in a bold, loud, and, and clear voice, Reginald Fessendum read from the second chapter of Luke. It was the first time that a human voice was transmitted over the radio. After finishing the reading about the birth of Christ, he picked up his violin, he started to play, and he started to sing, O Holy Night. And thus the hymn, O Holy Night, was the first song ever played on the radio. His voice literally was light penetrating the darkness. And the birth of baby, uh, birth of a baby 2,000 years ago brought light into the darkness of the world and penetrates the darkness that at times invades you and invades me. So this morning, I want to look into God's word. We're going to go to the gospel of Matthew. You've heard me say the word gospel literally means good news. And this is good news of great joy to all of us. Matthew chapter 1, verses 21, 22, and 23. This is an angel of God speaking to Joseph. And here's what the angel told him. She, Mary, will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So imagine if you're Joseph, you're, you're about to be married, you're already engaged to this young teenager named Mary. And all of a sudden, God is telling you that, that, that even though you guys haven't come together, that, that she's with child. I mean, that would be shocking, certainly, to any of us. Uh, but I think in the midst of that shock, this message actually might have resonated with Joseph. He may be familiar with these words. How so? Uh, well, 700 years before that, 700 years before the birth of Christ, there was a Jewish prophet, his name was Isaiah, and he spoke about what God wanted to do for and in and with his people. God was going to rescue and redeem his people. And so Joseph, like most Jewish people, he was familiar with this prophet and the hope which this prophet would speak. In Isaiah 7, 14, we read the prophecy that God gave Isaiah to give to the people. Okay? It's word for word from what Matthew would do 700 years later. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Now, uh, the word Emmanuel, it wasn't a name. It wasn't the name that Joseph and Mary were called to, to give Jesus. Uh, but rather, it's a Hebrew word that literally means God with us. Uh, now, Scripture tells us that Joseph and Mary were to give this baby, to give this child, uh, the name Jesus. Now, during that time, Jesus was actually a fairly common name for Jewish boys at that time. Uh, that's why later in his ministry, Jesus would be referred to as Jesus of Nazareth, because, again, Jesus was a fairly common name. But it was a powerful name. The word Jesus literally means in Hebrew, one who rescues. One who rescues. The name was appropriate because the Jewish people had been praying for and anticipating a Messiah, the anointed one, whom God would send to be, as they thought, a political savior, rescuing the Jewish people from all of those various forces, and military and, and, and nations that, that were oppressing the Jewish people. 
Uh, now, later on, of course, we know that uh, many of the Jewish people would be both disappointed and angry when they discovered that Jesus came not as a, a mighty warrior or a political leader, but as one who rescues, redeems, and saves us not from the Romans, not from anyone else, but from our sin. Uh, so Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, through the birth of a, of a tiny baby, the presence of God would invade the darkness, invading the fear, invading the pain that we were experiencing in this world. All in the birth of a tiny baby to a teenage girl who was engaged to a poor carpenter and who would give birth in a tiny, seemingly insignificant little village away from the grandeur of the big city of Jerusalem. It was scandalous to some of the religious leaders who heard about this. You see, God humbled himself, purposely replacing the throne for a manger, exchanging heaven for a messed up world. Also, that you and I can say that we can proclaim God with us. 700 years before Jesus was born, a prophet foretold that God would send one who would rescue the Jewish people. And so the Christmas story is found not only in the Gospels, not only in the New Testament, but going back 700 years to the Old Testament. I think when you look back, the Old Testament reveals God's plan of salvation, reveals God's plan. The New Testament, though, fulfills God's plan to save. See, the scripture tells us, even going back to Genesis, that from the first human sin, God had set the wheels in motion for forgiveness, salvation, and redemption. God desires you and me. God desires us to live in a world in which we can see and say that God is with us. God desires for you and me to live a life in which we can say God with us. God desires us to be a church in which we can say God with us. God desires you and me to live lives in which others can see and say God with us. Can they? Are they? You see, a Savior has been born. That's what we celebrate. That's what we remember. That's what we bring out is hope and joy and peace, even in a dark and messed up world today. The good news is that God knows the point of your deepest need, the place of your darkest hurt, and he's still extending the same invitation to you and to me today that he was extending 2,000 years ago. I think if our biggest need had been, let's say, information, God would have sent us maybe an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, I think God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us say an entertainer you see our greatest need is salvation redemption so God sent us a savior see that's what Christmas is all about we we often get so caught up in the the hustle and bustle of the holiday season that we sometimes fail to stop and realize and remember the good news of great joy Are, are you living that out 
Can your spouse see that you're living that out? Can your children or grandchildren, can they see that you're living out this uh, good news of great joy? Can your neighbors, your coworkers, your teachers, your students, can people see that you are caught up in this good news of great joy, not because of anything you have done or ever could do, but because of the work of this baby who was born, one day going to the cross, dying for you and for me and our sins, resurrecting, offering you and me the opportunity to, to, to not have death in this life as the final say. How is that good news and great joy being lived out by you and me here and now? The birth of Jesus is God showing us that his light is more powerful than the darkness. Uh, Because of, of sin in the world, we know that our relationship with God has been affected. It's been fractured. And and honestly, that's that's really bad news. People were living lives without hope. That's bad news. Uh, People were living lives, and still do, uh, without peace or without joy. That's really bad news. People were living lives, and still do, uh, filled with anger or regret or bitterness or shame. That is bad news. The world was in rough shape, and, and it still is. No one had any hope that things were going to get better. Maybe some of us feel the same way here and now. That certainly is bad news. But in the midst of this bad news that we're experiencing, that we're encountering, uh, that, that we are facing, God sends Jesus in the world to counter the bad news with the good news of Jesus. The Christmas story is one of God fighting for you so that you can say, so that I can say, God is with us. You see, friends, no longer would darkness hide the light. No longer would fear overpower hope. No longer would doubt overpower joy. No longer would death in this life rob us of eternal life. It's a story I want to tell you. It takes us back uh, about 100 years. There was a town out in Northern California. It was known as Roaring Camp. It was the meanest toughest mining town in all of the West. There were more murders and thefts, violent crime, than any other place in the country at that time. Roaring Camp was not the kind of place you wanted to be. It was inhabited entirely by men, people who were drawn by the lure of mining and of discovering gold. So all men, except for one woman, She made her living in the only way she knew how, if you kind of catch my drift. Her name was Cherokee Sal. Eventually, Cherokee Sal became pregnant, and she gave birth to a baby. Now, Cherokee Sal, unfortunately, she died in childbirth. No one knew who the father might be. So the men all came together, and they put the baby girl in a box with some old rags underneath her trying to give her a a place to rest and sleep and lay down. Uh, But somehow to these these rough and double miners, just just placing a girl in a a little box didn't seem right. So so one of them rode 80 miles to buy an ornate wooden cradle for this little girl. Uh, When they put the rags and the baby in this beautiful new wooden cradle, the rags just didn't look right. So another man, he he rode to Sacramento. He purchased some silk and some lacy blankets. The first time, no doubt, he's ever had that kind of stuff in his life. The men, they lined that wooden cradle with silk, and uh, they tucked away the new blanket around this little sleeping baby. 
Uh, but then someone noticed that the floor under the cradle, it looked dirty. So the next thing you knew, these big, tough men, they got down on their hands and knees and they scrubbed the floor until it was spotless. Of course, once the floor is done, the, uh, the ceiling and the walls, they, they kind of stuck out. The, the dirty windows were certainly noticed. So they washed down the walls and the ceiling. They even hung some clean white curtains in the window so this baby would have a sweet place to sleep and to lay and eventually to grow up. Things were beginning to look a lot better in Roaring Camp. Uh, but they soon realized that they had to give up a lot of their carousing and a lot of their bickering, a lot of their fighting, a lot of their violence. After all, the baby needed to sleep, and babies can't sleep during a brawl. Besides that, the, the baby probably didn't like angry voices or frowning faces, so the men started to smile. They started to talk in a pleasant, cheerful tone, something new to all of them. And truly, since babies shouldn't be left alone, they set the cradle by the entrance of the mine so that one of the men would always stay behind as the others went into the mine. The other ones would, would come back out to see how the, the little baby was doing while the one person stayed with the baby at all times. And then somebody noticed the, the ugly entrance to the mine. It was rocky and scraggly, and it wasn't the, the beautiful place that really they wanted the baby to encounter. So they planted some flowers, and they made a small garden near the cradle. And as they worked, the men looked for shiny stones that they could show to the baby and watch her gurgle and, and laugh and coo. But when they held the stones down near her, they saw that their hands looked dirty, looked filthy. They didn't want to scare the little baby with their scraggly hair and wild beards either. So pretty soon, the, the general store in Roaring Camp, they sold out of soap and, and shaving gear. And before you knew it, this little baby transformed this rough and tumble town into something appealing, something wonderful. You see, that baby changed everything. That's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the baby Jesus that God sent into this dark and hurting world to bring about light and hope and rescue. And so as we get ready to, to wrap up our time here together this morning, my prayer and hope is not that we commemorate the birth of a baby, but rather that we would live out the presence of a Savior. So this morning, I, I pray that, that you have heard the word of God. I pray that, that you can realize the power that we have when we go to God in prayer. Uh, we've been inspired, I hope, and maybe even challenged, I hope, by the movement and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We see the ways in which God with us has changed the world and I hope has changed you. God with us speaks of the amazing love that God has for each of us. Light invading the darkness. Friends, as we close out our time together this morning, we're going to sing a traditional favorite, Silent Night, Holy Night. We're going to light your candles, and you're going to see the light invading the darkness even in this place, showing the powerful and beautiful light that God has sent not only into this world, but into your life. 
So again, my hope and prayer is not that we just commemorate the birth of a child. We live out the presence of a Savior. Can I pray for us? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus that through the birth of a tiny baby who was born into a dark and dangerous world, God, you went to great lengths to show your love to a hurting humanity. You wanted to see a relationship with you restored. And through our faith in Jesus, you make this possible. You extend the invitation to receive the gift of your grace, of your love, of your forgiveness, things that are not merited or earned or achieved or deserved on our part, but rather a love that is freely poured out on us, an invitation sent forth by you to us. This is the good news of Jesus. And as we gather to celebrate his birth, we cling to the hope of his promises and the assurance of eternal life. And while we remember the stories of Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men, Father God, give us the eyes to see our place in that Christmas story. As we light these candles, Lord, may we sense the ways in which the light of Christ is penetrating the darkness in our lives, in our world. May we look for the ways in which your plan continues to unfold for our lives and for this world. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And in just a few moments, the, the, the candles will be lit starting in the, in the front row. We've got some folks who are going to do that and, and just pass it on and, and watch the ways in which uh, the light shines in the, uh, the midst of that darkness.
Amen.